Welcome back to Do The Know. I'm Fenrir, or Jeremy, uh, depending on how you know me. Uh, Lord God Almighty, it's been it's May 19. It's been a whole damn so. <laughs> Time flies when all hell's breaking loose, I suppose. Uh, it's, it's been a hell of a summer. Uh, today we're actually going to do an episode, <laughs> which is shocking, I know, but it's, um, I, I was I posted on the Banshee Hollow Craft and Trade uh, Instagram about topics that people uh, may want me to cover, and I've got a couple lined up, and I've got some guests lined up that I really wanted to, to cover them and what they're doing because they are really uh, doing things independently, and I think that needs to be highlighted, and it kind of goes along with what I'm going to talk about today, because it's a way out, I think, there's too much depending on other people, we need to start doing stuff for ourselves, and I'm really happy to see there's a surge of people that's really willing to do things themselves and take their responsibility on, but uh, the suggestion I got today it's how do we inspire our people to cast off depressive apathy? I see in so many rural Appalachians. And first of all, I appreciate you, Bubba, for the for the request. Um, and it's a, it's a good question. Excuse me. And uh, I just kind of want to go over it. Now, keep in mind, there's I'm not I'm not some big psychology major. I ain't I ain't a expert in much, uh, if anything at all. But um, you know, I think common sense and a little porch sitting is, uh, is in order for this sort of thing. And I say porch sitting because, you know, I, I think when you sit down and do one of these podcasts, I hear a lot of these podcasts that sound so over, uh, produced and they have some really good points and stuff, but they really speak like a public figure. And I've always found that the most truth you can you can really get out of somebody is whenever they're visiting. You know, you're sitting on the porch drinking coffee, talking about what's happening. <clears throat> you really start to find out uh, how people think and why they think that way. They're a little bit more candid with you. And I, that's where I'm coming from. I don't want to uh, put things out here and use big words and try to sound smart and go out of my way to be something I'm, I'm not really, I'm, I'm very down to earth. I'm very to the point. So I feel like these type of discussions need that sort of care. I don't think, I think it kind of cheapens it if I'm sitting here trying to be all professional. So this is a little bit of porch sit in conversation is the way I describe it. In regards to apathy, I want to say this first. I think Appalachia as a whole has had a lot of issues going back over 100 years, obviously, to get us to where we are now. And there's a lot of unlearning that we have to do if we're, if we're going to get to that spot. And I think that starts on an individual level. We can't do that as a whole region. We can't do that as a state or a town, it's going to be something that we have to do ourselves and then we're going to have to lead by example. If we're going to start anywhere, I would start, and I'm going to use West Virginia a lot as the template because, you know, that's what I know. However, this is, this is the way it is throughout Appalachia. Uh, but we're going to use the template uh, or West Virginia is a template that way I can best describe to you in examples. So let's talk about outside influence and perception of the, the region as a whole. And this is pre um, labor era. We're talking, you know, pre Blair mountain. Uh, we're talking 1800s. Okay. So, West Virginia itself, but the whole region, has never exactly had the best, 
I guess people haven't looked very fondly upon it. The outsiders were these backwards hillbilly savages, inbred drunks, barefoot. Like those are the images that come to people's minds. And like if you grew up with Looney Tunes, for example, you you were used to that. Or any sort of TV, classic TV, it was always the hillbillies, barefoot, overalls, straw hat, drunk on moonshine, barefoot. And that's always been the perception. Violent, angry people, stupid and I think where that comes in as harmful is we've had a loss, a great loss of culture because of that and who we are as people. Uh, you know, whenever I think of people in this region and people in this state, I think of mountaineers, people who were really trying to carve out their own place in this, this wilderness and in these ancient mountains. That to me is what Appalachian, you know, means. Uh, tough people, you know, uh, ready to weather the storm as clan and, and kinsmen, uh, that sort of thing. There, the stuff that has been put out in journalism, and especially like if you look at the Hatfield and McCoy feud, there's a lot of, you know, yellow journalism, um, sell papers, which really perpetuated the perception of Appalachia the way it is. So you have these business people that come in from, from out of the area. They're ready to make a fortune on railroad mines and those sort of things. They're funded a lot of the time, either, either they're independent men who are coming in to make more money or they're funded by corporations or whatever, bigger companies outside. So they come in, they hire people, promise them. Uh, if we're talking the coal mines, for example, you're talking, uh, cause we're getting into labor now. Uh, you're, you're talking that they're promising a house. You stay in their house. You work for them, and as long as you work for them, you know, your family's got a place to live. Uh, you know, you get paid in their money, which is good at their stores. We talked about script before in the last episode. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, script, for, again, for those who may have not listened to the last episode, script essentially is money for their store that... If you were to trade it for federal money, you might get 75 cents out of it for every dollar. Maybe. That's it's, it's if it's good. That's it's if it's a good deal. If not, you won't get that much. Um, so you're not making any federal money. So if something were to happen and you got hurt, you got killed, you lost your job for whatever reason, uh, they suspected you trying to trying to form a union or whatever the case, what would happen is you would lose your house and because you don't have that federal money, you, you have no way of taking care of your family. So there's an issue here when it comes to, um, you know, kind of keeping you in a state of servitude. Uh, essentially if, if you're, if you're a good boy, you'll do what you're told and everything will be fine. But, if there's even a whiff that you're going to get out of line, well, then you're going to get punished. And that punishment's going to affect you and your family. So if you have a wife and two kids, well, figure out how to feed them now. You know, and because you've depended so much on the the mines and, and the company, you're pretty much SOL. Um, so... <clears throat> there's this illusion that you're making something of yourself and, and you're really not. And I think it's one reason why whenever we look at Devil Ants Hatfield and the reason that even though there's a lot of things that had happened 
that seems kind of savage to outsiders that was written about. I think one thing that a lot of people don't understand was that he was revered probably um, mainly because he was hiring people from around the area to work for him with his logging. And that kind of bred um, dedication because here's a local man who is going to do this business himself and he's hiring local people. So we're seeing a, a, a very sense of pride among these people. They're working for somebody who is local, who is one of them, who's making money, who's willing to help other people around him make money. And it becomes like an extended family. So there's two different tops here. And, and whenever you look at the pro Hatfield uh, and, and the Hatfields themselves, they're seen as, as outsiders to society or they're seen as outlaws, right? Why is that? It's because they're, they're more free. Okay. And I want, I want this to be, I want this to be kept in mind. So I'll probably repeat it a couple times throughout all this. But the free man is always going to be Mark the Outlaw. That's just that's just how it's going to go. The <clears throat> so the labor era uh, is where they were really hiring people. They were really keeping people in a sense of servitude. I guess that really bred a lot of this almost fatalism, right? There's a lot of bad things that happen in the mines. There's a lot of things that could go wrong in the mines. People who are just trying to take care of their family, live an honest life. Uh, they essentially were just mistreated. So then it's no surprise whenever you start getting, you know, these labor uprisings. And again, you got people who are trying to be free, who are trying to earn their rights, right? And then they become what? Outlaws. There's a sense of pride in wearing that red bandana around your neck, marching through the coal fields. And you're taking on insurmountable odds. There's a pride in that. But then they get stomped on again, right? And that's where we're talking post Blair Mountain. We're talking, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of people, you know, and, and I'd say post UMWA, um, uh, You know, Frank Keeney, um, I would say that's probably the line right there where we would draw. You're seeing a lot of this defeatism. There's, you know, there's this just kind of like rank and file. You've been punished so much now, you're, take your spot. Or don't. If you don't take your spot, if you're not with us, then, well, we'll starve you out. So then we start seeing... A lot of, uh, a lot more part, uh, excuse me, <laughs> I forget to speak sometimes. Shucks. <laughs> Since we're going around with stereotypes. So we've got, we've got an era of poverty that's coming along with, you know, World War II also, um, we start seeing uh, a lot more issues as far as, far as you know, uh, people not being able to feed themselves. And people are looking for ways to progress. We start seeing a lot of, I suppose, hard work coming from 
the elders. So whenever the boomers come around, um, and then they're born, they're starting to, uh, you know, they're starting to, by that point, they may have started out the younger boomers, uh, or the early boomers. They may have started out like living kind of rough, if not rough, outright. But then they, there's a point where everything mm-hmm. starts shifting. Uh, there's an economy change. You've got people who are starting to live more comfortable lives, who are able to, uh, you know, businesses are starting to open. There's a line of hard times creates necessary changes sometimes to create good times. And then those good times will find a way to create hard times. And what we ended up seeing was there was a boomer era. There's a little bit more comfort. Uh, and then there's a little bit of outside influence coming in as well. You had television and, and these other, uh, these other things that's, that's coming in to the areas that before were kind of unreachable. And now it's becoming a little bit more widespread. And now you're seeing, uh, things start to progress and it's starting to change a little bit slower than the outside world, but it is starting to change. So you get in your, your era of comfort. Um, and there's a, there's a documentary that is on YouTube and it talks about, um, it, it actually was, it was filmed right down the road from me. Uh, it's showing these, these mountain folk, uh, my holler was a mud fork and a little ways down down the holler, the further you get down, you got dingus. And the documentary was filmed at dingus. And this old lady said, was talking about how the kids don't really, this was filmed probably about the 60s or 70s, early 70s, how the kids these days don't, don't really care much for learning any of that stuff and how things are done. And that that's kind of what we see is there with the boomer generation in particular, particular there was no real interest in doing things the old way or you know working how their grandparents worked there was this progress which kind of captivated them i suppose to the point that they started to buy into the idea of you know easier better ways of doing things um instead of you know, working all day at the house, tending to a farm or, or whatever the case is. Now it's like, uh, you know, you want to, you want to be a movie star. You want to be a singer. There's all this pop culture coming into the mountains that weren't, you know, it wasn't there before. And a lot of that had to do with technology. And like I said, other, or other forms of media besides television that's coming in magazines and and stuff from the outside that's really covering what's happening all over the place. And they're able to see this and they're starting to, to progress. Quote unquote progress. So they don't learn the oral traditions, the stories, um, and all these other things that kind of made us who we are. They just kind of went on. Um... And so we see a lot of comfort around that time. They start building up, you know, going out and building up their own lives, buying houses, working these jobs. And we, in this culture in, in specific, you start to see um, a deterioration of family. Because then you have this, I guess, mentality of, well, if, if I've got a job and I'm doing the X, Y, and Z, and I'm doing this, that, and the other thing, then you should be able to do this too. So this causes resentment with generation X. And before you know it, that's, that's kind of where the downfall went. 
it can't necessarily be blamed on one thing. So don't take it as I'm blaming it on one generation that killed off the whole thing. But that was the that was kind of the point. So I said it the other day to a buddy of mine. The boomer generation is where things started to fall apart. As far as Appalachian culture goes. Gen X was a an effect of that. There was a lot of resentment. There was a lot of angst. And then whenever you get into the millennial generation, it was kind of this in-between for a lot of us that grew up in the area because there were still old-timers around to teach us certain things and to talk to us about certain things. And so you're looking at your grandparents, your mamma, your papa, and that's kind of that's kind of where you get a lot of your information from. So once they pass on though, you got nothing. You know, some and of course, you know, some areas are a little bit different, so some areas are a little bit more traditional, other places not so much. It's not as wide as it used to be. Uh, so I would say that the millennials are kind of a mix between traditional because of what we was picking up from Mama and Papa over here and progressive because then they're starting to evolve with the times. You're starting to see, you know, the kids who are playing outside and stuff are suddenly computers come around and that's the thing they're becoming more easily available for the household uh for more households you're seeing the internet come around more um you know technology went from being bulletin boards and all that stuff to now you've got you know full-blown web pages and so there's this tech boom and then you start to see that transition to where we are now. So we've, by this point, what little bit of culture we were getting back started to die out with the elders. So now, the millennials, even though they weren't in between the comfort era that came with the boomers, they weren't immediately after the um, the start of that generation or even Gen X for that matter they were still picking things up and I think that's in my opinion that's probably why we see a lot of people around my age that know a lot of things but it's almost like they forgot it because it was never talked about once the elders died. you know once once Mama and Papa left you kind of you know you Nobody's really talking about this stuff, but now if you mention it to them, they'll have a, they'll have a conversation of yeah, I remember you know my mom and papa used to say this or they used to do this. It's it's almost like we were caught in the middle that generation, but we weren't, um, which is an interesting uh, idea, I suppose. And then what you see is you see a rise in opioid abuse. We start to see uh, places like Kermit, which is what I usually use as the example, where you've got millions of pills slung into a community with only two pharmacies. Kermit is a very very small place. To have millions of pills dumped in in one year, it's not, it, it makes no sense. But what we have is politicians and, and so forth who aren't doing anything about it, who are letting the the big pharmacy companies come in and and letting doctors write the stuff without without any hesitation. They come in, they keep people sedated, and then to get you off of the drugs, they want to put you on government drugs, suboxone, methadone. And they keep you on it. And I used to work as a substance abuse technician. So for me, I've seen a lot of this stuff firsthand. They want you on their drugs 
because they make a shitload of money off of it. And you're sedated. So that's all there is to it. You know, it's it's keeping the in my opinion, it's keeping the the people um, low. And it's funny because my brother, for example, uh, God rest his soul, he, uh, like, we, I don't know how many boys we grew up with. It's like, we, me and him had had this conversation where instead, they're supposed to drop you off of the stuff uh, in increments. And instead, they, they were just about everybody that we knew, they were bumping up. Um, it's a mess. It's, it's a, it's a real mess. And so there's this whole thing where people are sedated and they're needy of some sort of outside, um, some sort of outside, uh, help in pill form. Now, we also see a spike. We start to see a rise in, in technology even further within the, within a couple of years. Uh, you know, by the time we get to where social media is, MySpace and all that, we start to kind of get the same rush looking for that outside validation or that outside help. But instead of looking at it through substance abuse, it's social abuse. So now we're looking at the outside world. We can see that through our, our computer screens now uh, very easily uh, through high-speed internet now. Social media is telling us what we should look like. You know, before you had TV or you had magazines. Well, now it's in your face. It's faster and it's more precise and you get more opinions instantly. Um, so it's like, well, you should, you should wear this or you should buy this. You have to have this. Uh, I remember whenever the, those Mac computers with, the um, the see-through monitors or whatever, and they were different colors. Like that was the big thing. You know, everybody had to have one. Um, you know, this consumerism, this in people's opinions and, and so forth, it's, it started to really, I think, affect people here. So now instead of worrying about, whereas the priorities were family, you know, and, and, um, community and independence and freedom, we're starting to see a lot more dependence on the people's opinions who don't live here who don't know what the issues are here. You're seeing a lot of people depending on drugs to kind of dull whatever issues and, and numb their emotions. Um, you know, if somebody's uh, hurt themselves in the minds or whatever and can't work, well, that's, that's going to be an emotional, mental issue. That's also going to be a physical issue. I know a lot of guys who hurt their backs and the minds and back broke, and they got stuck on pain pills. Doctor would readily ride them. And on top of that, they've got a lot of mental issue and anguish from they lost their job. They're having a hard time paying bills. There's a lot of stress. They have nothing else that they can do. Because by this point, the economy's gone to hell. And for as much as I know a lot of people want to blame the minds on on politics and, and well, Democrats want to shut the minds down and, oh, it's Obama's fault and this, that, and the other thing, it's, it's a fact. If you go back and look, the minds have always had issues. It's always been up and down. Uh, whenever you look at the issues that, that was going on with Massey and all that stuff in the 80s, it's always been a fluctuation. There's never been one person or a political party that's been the issue with that. It's always been usually the mine operators or the lack of um, resource. So 
for as much as people like to politicize it, there's nothing to politicize. That's just a fact. Uh, but people won't look at that. They're being told, no, this is... And, and that's what I'm getting to in a second, is they're being told that so they believe it. So, you got you got all these mental issues that a person would have if you were to say they got laid off or they they're hurt okay so then they start taking these these opioids which are readily available oxycontin uh or whatever the case uh and but they're not being treated for their emotional uh their stress their their depression because they can't work how are they going to provide for their family uh, some, you know, and if, if they were like seriously injured or put in a bad spot, there may be some obvious trauma. Um, none of that stuff's really taken care of. Instead, it's here's a pill. Here's a pill. This pain pill fixes. We're being told that this will fix it. Right. So now we've gotten to a point through our history where we are, uh, we've been told that we have to depend on other people. You're suppressed if you're not, or you're punished. They make sure that they they make an example out of you. Now we've lost our identity, and now we have to. We are we are to the point in our history where our dependence on opioids. An outside opinion, that little like button or the little heart button, all that stuff takes more, uh, it, it makes us feel better about ourselves than what we're actually doing. If I'm out here putting a filter on my picture and I'm taking a selfie and I get two likes, I might feel like shit because more people don't like it, right? I have to have those likes to make myself feel better about myself. But but for me, that stuff don't matter. For me, actually doing something productive makes me feel better about myself. But that's just not how it is for, for a lot of people. Because they're looking for acceptance or they're looking for some sort of validation that they're still here. And so if you get two likes, well, there must be something wrong with me. I, I, need, to get, I need to get at least 40 you know, before I start feeling better about myself. And so we're in that era right now, still, of opioids, social media, and it's all a drug. I mean, if you go anywhere, you're going to see people with their face buried in their phone. They'll sit there and talk to you while their face is buried in that damn phone. They're worried about posting their life as opposed to, to get likes and whatever, as opposed to if something bad that happened, they're sitting there recording it or they do something good and they're, they got to record it, you know? And the problem with that is you're looking for validation. You know, it's, it's, you're looking for an escape. There's a long history in this region for people to make you feel ashamed of yourself. You want you want basic labor rights. All right, well, you should feel ashamed of yourself. You're going to get punished for it. You want to, you know, anything that would that would label you a free man, you get outlawed and punished. That's that's just how it goes. Right now, I think if we're if we're trying to find a way out, we need to address a lot of things that start at home. We are so worried in 2020 about what's happening with this person, you know, in this other state or what's happening in another country. And I get it. There's things that you might want to keep up with, but you might want to do it loosely. For me, I've cut out almost all social media. I'll check, I'll check my personal Facebook maybe 
maybe once a week, something like that as far as actually like posting. I may post a couple times, but I also my, my personal Facebook is, is very low amount of people, people that I know personally. And I don't add random people. I don't mess with that stuff. It's and I and to be honest with you, if it wasn't for the business pages and stuff, I'd I'd probably just delete it. I really don't see a, a point in it. Um, in my in my honest opinion. what's going to get us out of this is for us to, to unlearn that we are wrong for wanting to be proud of what we're doing and be proud of ourselves and putting ourselves above everything else. So for example, in 2020, especially it seems like if if you're not into politics or you aren't identifying with a certain uh, politician, that you will be outcasted. You don't care about America. You don't care about this, that, or the other thing or what's going on in Appalachia. Um, I've heard that argument a bunch because I don't know why that's an actual argument, but apparently it is. I don't understand people's logic with it. You don't care what's going on around you. No, I care about what's going on around me. That's why it starts at home. People have to start working on themselves. And that's not going to happen. That's that's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen on a widespread level. I think it's it's going to take it, it's taken generations to get us to this point and it's going to take generations to get us out. But it all starts with you. We have to address what's going on with us and build up what's happening with, I guess, with our emotions and in our homes, with our own families. If we don't, then what we've essentially done is turn a blind eye and letting our house fall down around us while we're worried about what's going on with our neighbors. So if if there's a way to get out of it, it's going to have to start with us. We're going to have to address our own issues. We're going to have to be honest about our issues. And we're going to have to keep people around us who are going to be honest with us about our own issues. If you keep a bunch of people around you that's just going to give you validation, you've essentially just got a bunch of ass kissers and they, there's no real sense in it because they're going to lead you astray. You want people that's going to be honest with you. On top of that, we need to get back to uh, really prioritizing who is around us. There's a lot of this, you know, disagreements. Well, you don't like my politics. So now I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to put my politics that I'm told that Facebook tells me, I believe I won't put that over, over family. And I don't want you in my life. You know, you, you got parents who are like, well, I don't, I don't want to deal with my kids because, uh, you know, they, they're not voting this way. It's stupid shit. First of all, fuck the politics, get it out of your head. The thing you need to be worried about is what's going on around you. I don't see any of these these these, these presidential uh, people coming up a holler asking what all's going on. They're not. They're going into the city, and and they're doing their little thing, and putting on a show, and then they leave. And then guess what? You're stuck going back to the holler, and that's you still got the same issues. Nobody's making you rich. You're still living in a dilapidated one, uh, uh, a dilapidated trailer. You know, it, it's, it's stupid. Prioritize your family. Prioritize yourself. That's how we get out of it. Well, I just about busted the phone. Hell.
I'm gonna be honest with you. Like my setup ain't all that great. I've got I've got the damn phone sitting on top of a a wood staining can and <laughs> whole damn setup. Shit. Anyways, uh, best thing you can do if we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna get ourselves ready to inspire other people then that's where our priorities lie, ourselves. Once we get our household in order, then the best way to inspire others is by leading by example. So, for example, I'm not going to sit here and tell you a bunch of things that you can, you know, I'll tell you my opinion on it, but I ain't going to tell you word for word what you should do. You, I mean, you, you can take it or leave it. But if I'm if I'm living my life that way, and I'm and I'm showing you through how I'm doing it, without preaching to you, then it has a better chance of sinking in with you. Things that inspire me to keep going are guys like I was talking about earlier that I want them. You know, I've got I'm getting set up to put on the show where uh, as guests where they're. Uh, they're doing things independently. They're not waiting around to be told that they can do it. I think we've depended a lot on other people. Uh, you know, like right now, if you get laid off from your mind job, there's a lot of issues with like, well, what's next? Well, next step is, well, let's face it. The fact is, if we're going to be honest with you, when it comes to natural resources, coal is a very finite resource. We are digging the bottom of the barrel right now for it. Coal jobs ain't going to be around much longer. And that has nothing to do with politics. That has everything to do with basic idea of resources. And if we're running out of the good coal... We ain't going to be having many jobs left. There are... There are programs that help um, re-educate and place people into other jobs. In other, you know, and, and what that does is that gives you the option and the ability to go out here and work again. We need to find pride. That's what inspires. Being doing something on your own, being proud of it, and saying that this is mine. And that inspires me. So whenever I'm seeing people doing these independent things, they're not asking questions, they're just doing it. That inspires me. And it inspires a lot of other people. But the problem is that stuff gets suppressed. You don't see a lot of that. Which do, which do you see more? The proud independent Appalachian that's out here, um, you know, getting things done, doing things their way? Or does that person usually get kind of pushed off to the side by, well, you know, let's, let's be proud of, of working and living by somebody else's rules. You know, for as much as we talk about small businesses and protecting small businesses and and things, for example, in this area, everybody shops at Walmart and Kroger, right? Um, independence inspires. Uh, doing things on your own uh, accord and, and living life your way. That outlaw mentality, there's a reason that that's a very um, attractive sight to people. It's because it's a lot of what they wish they could do, but they don't have the, I suppose, they don't really have the get-go for it, right? But there's a point where you gotta you got to say, is this the life that I want to live? I have no identity. 
I'm trying to be something that that I, I can't be. You know, look at all look at all these filters people use on on their pictures and shit. Plain and simple, like it, it, it's an altered society where reality has now taken a backseat to the fiction, right? Everything's fake. So I suppose my thoughts are all over the place about this because I, I really don't know how else to describe it. Society's gone to hell in a handbasket and it's all because it's fake. Authenticity inspires people. So what can we do to inspire other others? We have to do it ourselves. We have to live an authentic life where we are independent. That's to me what inspires me and what has inspired other people around me. We need authentic people around us. We need we need to be real with ourselves. We need to be real with our families. And we need to hold we need to have some sort of um we we need to really start holding our dedication to those people and the, and those ways of thinking of taking care of ourselves before we go knocking on our neighbor's door and seeing what's going on over there and rubbernecking. We need to take care of ourselves. I think if we start that and we start to learn who we are and we start to take up you know, our way of doing things, which has always been that mentality, even though they've tried to squash it time and time again. I don't think that, I don't think that it's a losing battle. though. I don't think it's completely gone. I think we just need to rediscover who the fuck we are and get back to that mentality. But it all starts with you. You're not going to inspire other people. You're not going to do something that inspires other people if you can't do it yourself. And if you ain't going to do it yourself, then get the fuck out of the way. And that's and that's that's all I got to say about it. Live your life with authenticity, dedication, and make sure that it gets out there. Don't don't be don't be you know letting it get suppressed. Don't let anybody suppress you. Make sure you get it out there. Listen. This is us. This is who we are. As my mom always say, you either shit or get off the pot. This isn't a time to dally around and, you know, kind of take a back seat to things. We've seen, we've seen how quick <laughs> everything can go to shit real, you know, real fast within this last year. The most important thing is that we start to to get active. And to do that, again, whenever we're worrying about ourselves or trying to find some way to get confidence in ourselves to, to go out there and do these big things, it all starts with sm something small. That little bit of accomplishment from starting a garden or maybe even if it's just one little plant, starting that one little plant may give you a little bit of confidence to do something bigger. You're not owned by anybody. Your priority should be your kin and yourself and then your community after that. Don't worry about this shit that's going on in the world unless it's going on with you or around you because you can't do shit if you're if you're sitting here posting a picture on, on social media and that's your little that's your little um way of 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 getting your opinion out that's all fine and good but it's not really accomplishing anything action starts with you and then you start to branch out make your community a better place after you get yourself sorted that's how you make a difference so it ain't going. To, it, it's not. It's not an overnight thing. To inspire other people, it, it's going to take a while. Make sure that you're inspired, 
and make sure the people around you are keeping you accountable. So, hopefully that helps. I don't know if it does. It could just be rambling. Who knows? <laughs> I've actually got to get out of here and uh, go look for some medical supplies to take care of my mama. Uh, fascinating thing is that I can't find shit anywhere. It's been, what, six months almost since, uh, since we originally got put on lockdown. We haven't even been on lockdown. And people still out here mass buying stuff they probably don't need. Uh, you know, latex gloves or, or whatever the case. And uh, have, and ain't nobody out there using them. I can tell you that right now. Ain't nobody out there using them. Hell, they don't even wear masks. They sitting out here buying all this stuff. It's ridiculous. But I got to go find... Gotta go. <laughs> I have to go. I have to go out into society. That's going to be fun. I swear to God, I, I feel like more I, I get out, the more I just want to stay away from people. <laughs> I swear, these, these Karens are getting worse out here, man. They get off that interstate, and they're from they're from everywhere else, and I swear they come off there trying to hit you. They'll be like, they'll be 60 feet till the Walmart exit, right? And you'll be just trying to get through town. And they will come through swinging about 90 miles an hour on a, on a road that it's a, it only goes about 35. And they're trying to squeeze in between you and a damn fire truck just so they can get to that Walmart like a couple feet sooner than what they would have normally. They would have just waited. I don't know how people get the damn licenses, is what I don't get. But, I mean, it is what it is. I don't get it. Hell, I scared my poor damn instructor to the point where she actually refused when I went back after I failed. She refused to get in the vehicle with me. I had to take some dude. So, <laughs> oh well. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been fun. Uh, we'll get on here next time and uh, talk a little business, talk a little shop, and... Um, if you guys got any suggestions for shows, let me know. And hopefully you take care of yourself. People's crazy out there. And uh, get you next time.